We've talked about how the system of the Sfirot and early Kabbalah becomes in the Musar tradition midot, spiritual aspects of self that we work on to refine and to be aware of constantly. This is what it means to live mindfully, to be aware of so that we bring like higher things to bear on our daily interactions. Yes. So we can live lives of greater depth and meaning. This is Judaism as a technology, according to uh, Rabbi Michael Strassfeld. Every religion really is a technology to help us live lives of greater depth and meaning. So this is our system. So we are not suggesting this is the only way to look at things. We're not suggesting this is the best way to look at things. We're suggesting this is our way, traditionally, of looking at and talking about spiritual aspects of self, personality aspects, um, aspects of the psyche, of the spirit, of emotions. Like, they're, they're not divorced. In Judaism, we don't pull those apart. It's all part of what it means to be a human being. So then we want to have this system and our knowledge of it and just our language. We want to develop a language and a technology whereby we can manipulate our being by influencing what we're doing. Yeah? Okay. So here are one, two, three, four, five spherot out of ten. We talked about the top three, the first three being grouped together and we didn't talk a lot about them individually. You can listen to the first lecture to hear kind of what they're about. Then we moved into the lower seven sphere, which really have to do more with aspects of self, with ourselves. Um, if this is the construction of the universe, right? If this is the structure of the divine and how it emanates into the universe, of course it's the structure of each one of us because we are created. But Salam Elohim in the image of the divine. Each one of us is a reflection, right, of that. So you think about one cell from your body, right, that it, it contains your DNA, it contains your blueprint. So it's the same kind of idea, that this is the blueprint of the universe. You can't separate that from the blueprint, right, for us, says our tradition. All right, so we talked about Gevura and Chesed in two separate lectures. Talk to me, what, what's Gevura about? Well, actually, what's chesed about? Let's start with chesed. What's chesed about? Loving kindness. Chesedding. Because how much does Amy love the translation loving kindness? Not very much. Not very much. Compassion. Huh? What? Oh, <laughs> mercy, compassion. A lot about love and a lot about kind, yeah? What is Gevura about? Boundaries. Nice. Nice translation. You listened, huh? Limitations. Nice. Exactly. Literally, Gevura is strength. Structure. What did you just say, George? Control. Okay. Control. Wow, look how many more words we have for gevura than we do chesed. Is that because chesed is more um, self-explanatory and for gevura we have to figure out how to talk about it? Yeah, a lot of people are nodding. Okay. So chesed, loving kindness, mercy, compassion, openness, givingness, right? Gevura, more about boundaries, structure, limitations, strength, control. And we talked about that we must have 
always a dynamic movement between chesed and gevura, right? They are in relationship. There's a reason that they are across from each other in the spherotic system. They must be constantly in tension imbalance in dialogue, but I would argue it's not always imbalance because sometimes I really need to be in gavura in a certain kind of situation, right? That my tendency is gonna be to be too much in chesed, like when I think about supervising the staff here. I tend to be too much in chesed. I need to be sure I'm leaning towards gavura. Right, because that's my job in that moment. That's my role to protect the structure, the boundaries, the right, the rules, the productivity, whatever you want to put over there. Right, and then there, when I'm parenting, right, I'm needing sometimes to lean harder into chesed <laughs> than gavura. Since I'm parenting a teenager, right. <laughs> But it's not, that, it's not that I, of course I have to set limits and boundaries, right? But it's, it's about where do we, we, where are we leaning? Sometimes we need to lean more into one of them than the other. It's not a complete balance of the two. That's not the goal. The goal is to know where in a dynamic scale, in a dynamic relationship, we are falling and where do we need to go? Where, where do we need to adjust, right? Because we need to correct. There, there, ha- there is a tension, right? I mean, Kabbalah would say, Musar would say, there is a tension between these two poles. That's why they're across from each other on the system. Ah. So then we talked last week, the disappeared lecture, was about how both of those feed into something called Tiferet. What is Tiferet? What does Tiferet mean literally? Beauty. What is associated, what are the words associated with Tiferet? It disappeared from your brains too, not just from the tape. Truth. Ah, and so actually, right, mercy gets associated with Tiferet. And, I'm sorry, and love. Huh? Empathy. Empathy. All all relationship the the whole system is gonna be about wholeness. So yes. Sorry, but as a parent educator, like I teach firm, firm and kind. Like my yes. so to me it's not so like when I'm looking at that and I'm sorry I wasn't here, so maybe I've missed it, but it's much more integrated yes. than it is like what you're talking about. Like you wanna be firm but you want to be kind in your firmness. Yes. So to me, it, it, it's... It's a relationship. We've got, right. It's a relationship. It's, it's dynamic. It's fluid. It's not one or the other. It is both. It is a relationship between these two things. They tend to be in tension. Right. It's not that we're not integrated, but they are distinct flavors of our personality and our tendencies. And we just need to be aware sometimes I'm leaning too much into gavura and need to infuse it with a little more chesed. The goal is integration. We tend to tip, though, because we get triggered. We 
tend to, or we have stuff come up from the past, or we have projections of the, whatever it is, we tend to tip one way or the other that's unhealthy for whatever it is we're trying to achieve, whether it's a loving relationship with our spouse or a healthy parenting relationship, like whatever it is, we have to just constantly be aware, and, and, the, and this gives us language to talk about how to be aware and have a conversation with each other and Jewishly across the ages about what are some of the tendencies that we have. So what, what I think is really important that I want to stress, whether you were here last time or not, is that it is not that one is black and one is white, so this is gray. That is not, that is not what this means. <laughs> when we have a relationship between Gevura and Chesed, what emanates from that is something new, something different. And what I really like about this system is the way that they label that as something beautiful. That beauty is about the relationship between these characteristics, these tendencies, these categories, and that that is where we locate truth. Right? We talked about in our culture, it's all about beauty as hiding the truth in some ways. But in our tradition, truth is, is, is beautiful when it's honest, right? And, and that emanates out of that ability to be both loving and generous, right? And to empathize and all of that, as well as to have structure and boundaries and control and constriction, that, th- that both are critical and that what comes out of the relationship between them is beauty, truth, uh, and real love, right? Because real love isn't about saying, my, my child is amazing, I have the best dog ever, right? It's about being honest and clear and seeing them for who they really are, that's real love, right? The original covenant between God and the Jewish people got destroyed. Then God learned who this people really was. God learned that while God was drawing up the marriage papers, the adoption papers, and Moshe was signing them, the people were worshiping the golden calf. It was the second covenant that has been in place for 3,000 years, right? Because that's real love. When one recognizes the truth of who the other is and loves them anyway, that's real love. Because it's not delusion, it's not projection, it's not who I wish you were and I'm just gonna keep pretending you are. It's loving who that person really is in spite of who they really are and in spite of who we really are, right? Um, and, and, and the same way, as I said, it's not black and white makes gray. It's black and white together inform each other in a way that gives shape and meaning to something new, just like an artist. Or like you said last time when you had a kid. What, what did I say last time? Last time you said you when you have a kid, like it's not like the kid isn't gray. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but like having like like the kid is the reflection of both parents. So like Tiferet is also like both of those. 
Beautiful. So, said oh, I said it. So the, the <laughs> T-Ferret is like two parents, you know, having a child. That it's not that the kid is a blob because it's a combination. It's something unique in the world because of the differences that, right, come together to make something completely brand new. That's the sense of Tiferet, and that's the sense we're going to have once Hod and Netzach come together and come into something else. You'll have to stay tuned. You'll have to come next session to know what that is. Um, or just read what I gave you. But anyway, Hod and Netzach, when they come together, they are also, right, going to emanate into something completely new in the world, a new aspect, right, that we're going to talk about. So tonight, we're going to talk about Hod and Netzach and their relationship to each other. So we're going to talk about Netzach first. So uh, you have your new handout, yes? Yes. All right. Bert, will you read for us, please? Um, And by the way, we're in the counting of the Omer. So this is very apropos, right, Uh, this teaching about Netzach, because we are in like week four of the Omer. So go ahead, Bert. Each of these words, these traits we're looking at between Passover and Shavuot... The the period we're in now. ...can be translated in many ways. This week's word, Netzach, we know from prayers that include the phrase Netzach Nesachim, and is usually translated as eternity. Similar to Le'olam Va'ed, and we should not be surprised if there's more than one way to say something in Hebrew, or that there's more than one meaning for a word. It is true in most languages. Think for a minute about how many ways we can say green, for example, and all the shades of green. Emerald, forest, jade, kelly, lime, oval, uh, olive, teal, turquoise, to name just a few. The word itself in English, from the German, is related to grass and grow. Language is nuanced. Hebrew is no exception. Netzach means endurance, eternity, victory. Victory and vanquished have the same root in Hebrew. They're two sides of the same coin. Simon Jacobson says, during the fourth week of counting the Omer, we examine and refine the emotional attribute of endurance known as netzach. Netzach means endurance, fortitude, and ambition, and is a combination of determination and tenacity. It is a balance of patience, persistence, and guts. Endurance is also being reliable and accountable, which establishes security and commitment. Without endurance, any good endeavor or intention has no chance of success. Endurance means to be alive, to be driven by what counts. It is the readiness to fight for what you believe, to go all the way. This, of course, requires that endurance be closely examined to ensure that it is used in a healthy and productive manner. As a long-distance runner, I think a lot about endurance. In fact, I'm reading a book called Mental Strategies for Runners by one of my mentors and coaches, Jeff Galloway. The hope is that it will increase my endurance and make me mentally tougher. Contemplating eternity is something that this week's Musar begs us to do. Okay. So do you get a sense of Netzach? All right. Go to your Art Green packet. The second sentence on that page, starting at the words, Tiferet gives rise to Netzach, yeah? 53. 
the Netzach in our personality celebrates our victory and believes that we can be triumphant over all enemies of perfection, whatever they may be. Now that we have subdued anger and allowed love to flow in ways that nourish and do not destroy, wholeness itself seems within our grasp. This is the flaw within Tiferet, that which sets up a second tension, a new level of dialectical strain within itself. An inner sense of perfect balance can lead to the danger of triumphalism. I have won the great battle. I can do it all. Nothing will stand in my way. All right. So sensing that we have complete balance between chesed and gevura, we have reached tiferet. We have reached that place of perfect beauty, truth, and balance. No. No. Mm -mm. That sets up a new danger that we feel like we've done it. And so... Tiferet leads to netzach, the sense that we have not done it and we have something to strive for. Something yet to strive for that we want to achieve, right? Victory in pursuing. And so perfect balance doesn't really work if you're talking just about across this ferotic tree, right? We have to integrate more things because there's more going on than just the balance between chesed and gevura, which now results in a new thing, tiferet, because that has its own set of challenges. So it tilts towards this newness of netzach. The netzach within us, he goes on to say, needs and calls forth a new opposing force called hod. And we're going to get there, but we're not there yet. Go back to your packet that I gave you tonight. Go to the second page where you see netzach and hod by Rabbi Lisa Goldstein, the executive director of the Institute for Jewish Spirituality. Yeah? You see it? Yes. Okay. Okay. So she talks about the anniversary of having become foster parents to an 18-year-old refugee from West Africa. So Elaine, please read at that third paragraph. She's talking about a year in. She's talking about Netzach and Hod. What are these two ways of being? Would you read that paragraph? The Omar last week. What are these two ways of being? What are these two ways of being? What are these two ways of being? Netzach is the quality that urges us to get involved, to fix things, to form and act and create. It is about drive and success and doing. Haud, on the other hand, which literally means glory, is the quality of giving space, letting it be, feeling thankful for the ways things are, not needing to change a thing. Interestingly, both of these are understood to be divine qualities that can manifest in us, and both of them are worthy of cultivation as part of our spiritual repertoire. The question is, when do we bring what to bear? Go on. So when do we push or encourage our foster son to do certain things, and when do we stand back? When do we ask questions, and when do we just give him space? When do we lead with feeling energized and active? And when do we lead with simply feeling grateful for the miracle of our family coming together? Good. Turn to the next page. We're going to come back. 
good. And come to Netzach is? Netzach means eternity. Netzach means eternity. It is the aspect of revelation which stretches horizontally for a time. For all time. For all time. And the attribute of endurance within the divine. In the sense both of God's mercy endures forever and the more common usage of endurance through difficult times. All right, let's stop there. So are we getting a sense of Netzach? Netzach is the push. Netzach is the long distance runner saying, I can do this. I can do it all. Netzach also means forever. I mean, I guess that's stated with eternity, but lenetzach netzachin is forever and ever. Forever and ever and ever. Right? I've been saying that for years, but I never knew what it meant. Right? Kayla? So, is like so we're, we're going to go there. We're going to go there, but I want to make sure we're understanding netzach. Netzach is drive. Netzach, for me, some days, right now, is the Jewish people will survive the 21st century changes. The synagogue will survive the changes of the 21st century, and I will do my part until my dying breath to make sure that that happens with every fiber of my being. Yes? That's Netzach. That is what holds us and gives us the fire and the commitment and the drive to persist, to go however far it's going to take. Right? This child will grow up and be a responsible, self sustaining adult. (laughs) And I will do everything every day that it takes. It's about holding the great goal, the great vision, and the and the willingness to work all the time towards it because you believe that we will be victorious in this. And even if that's nuts, that's the only way you can go about achieving a long-distance goal is to say, we will emerge victorious. We will beat whatever we have to to get there. And those are your visionaries. Those are your leaders. That's the part of us that forges ahead no matter what, yes? So what's the balance to that one going to be? Hmm. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I kind of gave it away, didn't I? Not much suspense there. Could you say that netzach is like, uh, could you say is like grit, like having grit? Yes. So I put guts up here. Grit, guts, courage. All the things that it takes to emerge victorious when it's not easy. Netzach assumes it ain't easy. Right? Netzach doesn't say, oh, you just keep swimming and eventually you get to shore. Like, Netzach is about, this is a fight. And it, do, it requires things from us. And it requires a certain kind of energy from us to commit to the long distance haul. Right? With, with absolute belief that it is possible to emerge victorious, to change things. This Netzach is not happy with how things are. Netzach says, we're going to have to do something different if we want this thing to fly. Right? It's not, 
it's not working the way it is. We need to change it. Let's dig in. Let's get it done. Is, is that the importance of having the goal? Almost more than achieving it. So having a goal is critical or else none of this really matters. So we have to have one. And then we have to figure out, is it a worthy goal? Right? But is it more important than the actual achievement of the goal? We, in, I'm going to suggest in this system we don't wait anything. Right? It's not that something's more important or less important. It's like this is a dynamic system and all of these things are part of the universe and part of the universe of the human being. We're about being mindful of what's going on with us in all of these different dynamic relationships. Yes? Sometimes, probably, the goal, having one, might be the most important thing. Sometimes, my strategy to achieve it might be the most important thing, right? So, I mean, it, it really depends. What's your role? What's your job? Where are you in that? What's the cycle? What are you needed for uniquely right now? Is it to hold the goal and articulate the goal? Or is it to come up with the strategy? We're searching for an executive director right now, right? Because I'm desperate for somebody to help me with the strategy. I have the goal. I have the fire. I need a strategy. Right, right? Like, and we will find some. And we will find some. Thank we'll you, Mr. Different. President. Thank you. And you will have some. Thank you. But right, it's about knowing what's our place. But at home, I better have the strategy with the goal being to raise this child to be a self-sustaining, responsible, ethical human being. I better have some strategies about that. So I read a lot. As my daughter says, you're... <laughs> She wrote me very sweet for Mother's Day. You're such a great mom. And it's not just because you read all those books on parenting. (laughs) You're just naturally good at anything you're passionate about. Right? But I read a lot of those books because I got to come up with the strategy. Who's going to come up with the strategy if it's not me? Right at home, I'm the strategist. But here, right, I'm the visionary. So, So this whole system is about... In what place am I needing to lean more into this and more into that? What's my role? What's appropriate? What's not? And a lot of times, we need someone else to tell us. You know what, Rabbi? (laughs) Why don't you back off the strategic part of this conversation for a little while? We'll come back to you with some idea. Right? There's times other people have to tell us this is not where we need you. Where we need you is in one of these other leaning into one of these other places, right? It's not, it's not just us who decides where we need to be in the system. It's, it's feedback we get also on what's going on from the people that we're in relationship with or the roles that we're supposed to be playing, yes? All right, Renee, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, You're thinking. I, yes, I'm thinking. Well, I, I'm jumping, I'm kind of jumping to the end of the book, but I'm like... <laughs> That would be Netzach. Like, My goal is to I get live, it. I live there a lot in Netzach, but I, I'm like, is, does this whole system provide any guidance to know when to lean into one or the other? Because it, ah. it is so important, but I, I'm... And as you said, they're not, it isn't that one's better than the other, but I think the challenge is knowing which direction to go and when. Like, you talk about raising children, and that's, you know, because there are times when you should be letting go. So if this is a technology, how do we know how to apply the technology? 
So generally, technology comes to solve a problem. But it's only if I'm living mindfully that I know something's out of whack. Otherwise, I just clip along comfortably in Netzach, where I live all the time, if I'm a Renee Rodman, and like, I'm going to change the whole school district system, and I'm going to make everything more efficient, and your husband's going to make carpool work at Revere if it kills him, and you're going to make sure donors get acknowledged. Don't, so if we're just clipping along where we're comfortable and where we tend to live, because even if, it's in, if we think that's where we're needed the most, right, then that's not really living a life using this technology as savvily as we could, if that's a word. But we, we have to be savvy spiritually, emotionally, psychologically about what's happening. So how do I know I'm out of balance when I'm hanging out in Netzach and I've got the goal and I'm stressing so much that I can't lean into chesed with my own kid or the dog who's like, you went out 12 hours ago. (laughs) Again? Right? So... There are indicators that we're living so much in the goal and how hard it, and the fighting for victory that that we notice we're depleted or we're a little depressed or, or me, I tend to go to anxious, right? Like good days, I, we will survive this. 21st century as a Jewish people and as a synagogue model. We will. Other days, I feel like I'm moving deck chairs on the Titanic. And then I just go, this, my whole life? Everything? Really? Really? Everything. My whole career? Everything. And I'm just moving deck chairs on a sinking ship. Wait, okay, so that tells me something is probably a little out of balance, right? So, so then what do we do? We look at, okay, so what's the dynamism here? It's between Netzach and go back to your first page between Netzach and Hod. So let's read Rabbi Lisa Goldstein, executive director of IJS, on Hod. Hod is the sphere of opening, of taking in, of receiving. It is fully inhabiting the morning blessing which praises God for opening the eyes of the blind. Hod is raising the eyelids and letting the world pour in just as it is in all of its colors and shapes and shadows. Sometimes the eye sees something that is ugly or distressing. It's easy as Americans and Jews to leap straight to action, to the desire to fix and set straight. We're more acculturated to find ourselves in Hod's brother, brother Sephira Netzach, who urges us on to do and correct and get involved. But Sister Hod is also divine. She waits, knowing that wisdom and creativity can bubble up from the quiet opening to the fullness that is also in and surrounding the ugly or distressing thing. Netzach and Hod's third sibling. Okay, we're going to drop down to the next, um, next thing about Hod. Hod is the Sephira of gratitude. It seeks out what Rade Nachman of Bratislav called the good points that are in everything, even in the wicked person, even in ourselves. Good points are often so easy for our critical minds to overlook. <coughs> Chod reminds us that when we turn a good eye towards them, we reveal the inherent majesty that otherwise might have stayed hidden, invites us to open to Chod this week. What echoes might we receive on our journey towards Sinai? 
All right. So the balance to Netzach is Hod. What is Hod about? Hod literally means majesty. It's finding the majesty in what is. It is acceptance. It is receiving. It is gratitude for what is. Here's the hard part. As it is. Now. Right now. I love this one organization that was selling a watch and all it said on the, on the face was now. I go, that's all you need to know. That's right. It's 317. It's now! Amy, you enacted Hode so beautifully in a conversation we had some time ago in a situation in my family that has no way to cure as hard as I tried for 30-something years. Try. I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. And because I open to you, and sometimes it takes being open to another person and their wisdom, you said accept it for what it is. It's not going to change and be grateful that you have. It was the perfect balance for the anxiety of not being able to solve that. Right. Accepting you can't fix everything. Right. And if we keep trying to fix what we can't fix, all it produces is anxiety. Right. Stress. To your point, Renee, to your question, how do we know when we are so fixated and anxious and we can't make it work that if we can just, that is our indicator that just leaning into Netzach is not going to do it because she was doing it for 30 years. So that's not, obviously that doesn't work. So, what, so, so it's not just that we say, I'm not going to achieve victory. I think Hode influenced us to say, what does victory look like? I felt like I did achieve victory by accepting. A v- victory can look like, in some circumstances, accepting what is, and then working within that to find the beauty, the gratitude, and if we can't do that, I've been there a lot, if we can't do that, then to at least say there is some majesty in reality, capital R, that isn't how I want it to be. Who knew the Kabbalah would solve my <laughs> Right, there you go. Right, so, so I, and I'm not, this is not the acceptance of, it's all an illusion, right? It all happens for a reason. This is not that. This is that things are what they are. Okay, let's go to my previous example. Maybe the Jewish people, Judaism and the synagogue will not survive the 21st century. And when that thought arises, it produces a lot of anxiety. And there has to be a part of me that says not every religious tradition is meant to exist for all time. If the Jewish people, if humanity needs Judaism and the synagogue and those of us who are invested in it, those of us in this room, continue to do our best work within it, it will survive or it won't. 
really? Is it so important in the history of the universe that, the, that this particular way of looking and talking about things survives? Really? In the scheme of all of human existence? Of all of existence, capital E, over billions of years, really, Amy? Really? Maybe not. Maybe I can just relax a little around it and say, if the Jewish people want it and need it, it will be here. And if not, not. There's things bigger than me. There's a reality larger than my interests. And when I can accept and relax into that, it allows me often to do my netzach work with a lot more creativity. When I get too caught up in the survival of this particular synagogue, my amazing leaders like Bert and Lori say, we need you to worry about the rabbi stuff so that you can teach with fire and passion and creativity. If you get too caught in the operations and our budget and the future of the money of blah, 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 you're gonna shoot your own netzach in the foot. Allow some hode. <laughs> it is what it is. Let the leadership worry about how we will sustain it. But you do, so that's hode. That's a lot of letting go. But when we can do it, it doesn't mean stop trying. It means try from a place of true optimism and creativity rather than I have to try because I have to make sure. Right? There's a tightness and a closeness and a forcedness about that that doesn't help actually achieve the victory. Melly? I think when really difficult things happen and realizing we need to surrender and just accept what is, it's also well, what's the lesson that we should learn here? Like that's my, what's my, this is an opportunity for me to learn something. It's not necessarily to change it, but what's my opportunity to learn? And like Mandela, when you read, you know, his long walk to freedom and, and, and you get into, like he said, it seems impossible until it's done. And what you're talking about here is the humanity of it all. It doesn't have to come through Judaism or through Buddhism or through, so if, if you're teaching this through Judaism and that's your vehicle, that's just the vehicle, but what really matters is the message. Yes. So, like, for him, it's the most amazing thing. This man was imprisoned for almost his entire adult life, slept on a floor on a blanket, and had a, had a bucket to go to the bathroom in, but he was free. He was always free because in his mind, and all that mattered to him, and whatever message he preached is love. So it's not, again, I just got the chill. So it's, again, it's not about going back to Gavora and Chesed. It's, it's that integration of, of it's yeah. black and white. It's just, it's what's coming out of this. Ultimately, if you look at all of this, which is in the, in the, in the middle, is beauty, truth, and love. Yes. So your, your example is perfect. One of them, Gibor in Hebrew means hero. So you're talking about one of our great heroes who had who had so much gavura, so much strength, so much power, and so much chesed, so much love, who wanted a vision of a beautiful world where he faces the truth about the world and was able to temper 
his long-term commitment to we will overcome with the day-to-day acceptance of sleeping on a cement floor and pooping in a bucket. There's your system. There, it's on the podcast. Oh, know, Sit there. Well, you'll figure it out because Kayla's going to help you. So, but, so, but, and, 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 I want to be clear. So that, yes, that's a perfect example, right, of a living out of this system in integrated balance, right? And, and sometimes his netzach needed to be called forward more than his hode. And sometimes his hode at three o'clock in the morning, right, when he had to be called forward more than the netzach. So it, it's dynamic, it's fluid, and he's a human being. And there's some reports of his behavior around some boundaries that's not so positive. So some, we all have aspects and times and ways and roles in which all of this comes together and we're doing it, right? And hopefully we do it more frequently the more experience we get in being mindful about it. And there are parts of our personality that are what they are and we get pulled, right? into one of the traps, depending on the, I believe, the fissures and fractures at our core, out of our childhood experiences, out of what we've come to believe that the world told us about ourselves, right? Whether it's about gender or race or sexual orientation or height or wealth or whatever it is, fill in the blank, you know, we have tendencies to tip into one thing given the core breakages that we're carrying around. Would it be fair to say that Netzach is how powerful I am and Chod is how powerless I am? Yes. There's a story about a rabbi that I forget who had two pieces of paper in his pocket. We're all supposed to carry two pieces of paper in our pocket. One is the verse from Torah that says, or from Talmud, for me was the entire world created because one human being was the original. So had something happened to that human being, all humans would have disappeared. There wouldn't have been humanity. So for me was the entire world created. Every human being is unique and special and is the entire world. And then the other one is from dust, was I created from dust, to dust will I return, so that we are balancing, if you want to call it that, yes, netach and hod, I am powerful and I am powerless at the same time. I saw another, Mark, you had your hand up? Um, I think in that exact spot is the now. Is what? The now, the here and now. The here and now, right, that's what Jim said, now. And the first word we read, Hode is the Sephira of opening. So in... We can't hear you. Hello? Just project. Just project. All right. Um, all right. So the first thing we just read here about Hode is, is the Sephira of opening. In that dynamic point of where you are at that moment, whether you're Nelson Mandela, Amy Bernstein, or uh, Martin Luther King, there's just a continuum of moments. Yes. And it seems to me the power of Hode is the power to open up and feel what's going on so you can move in the direction of Netzach. Yes. I saw another hand. Gabs 
And then Jim? Just a logistical question, because I'm me. Um, you've got because you're you. Because I'm me. You've got the arrow from Tiferet just to Netzach. Is that a part of the diagram? And why? Um, so thank you for the question. Um, because in because in some sources say out of we have thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. Something happens within the synthesis that tips things over in one direction. Tiferet tips into Netzach first. They but they both they both have a relationship, you know. In other words, arrows go every single way. But between Tiferet and Netzach, Netzach back to Tiferet, then up to these three. And so it's an interlocking, interrelated system. It just is that they have an order. There's an order to them. So the Netzach comes before Hod. If you want to talk, if you want to, remember how we had a diagram of it being 10 concentric circles? Right? So Netzach is is a circle outside out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what am I saying? Netzach is a circle closer to Ein Sof than Hod. That's just the system, because we're human beings and we and we have numbers and before and afters. Um, I'm not steeped enough in the system to understand. I mean, I said it earlier, but I haven't sat with it long enough to, to have internalized the answer. But we said it earlier that the, or Art Green said it, I think the, the, the oh, I've done it. I've achieved balance between Chesed and Gevura. I'm hanging out in Tiferet. Isn't life grand? Uh-oh. That leads to an imbalance that is netachi. Right, that is, no, there's a goal outside, uh, keep going, yes. Good, you just said it, exactly. No, keep going, Amy. You can't just hang out in Tiferet. There's more going on in the universe. And, and so you have to achieve that. You have to reach for that. You have to push for that. And then you better be ready to have some hode come in to that Netzach or you're gonna be in trouble. Right, you're going to burn out, or you become uh, Caesar or Pharaoh. Oh wait, uh, and then oh, Jim has the microphone. Jim, um, just to sort of uh, augment the thought of powerlessness and power. Uh, I am a 12-step person. I I am a member of t- several 12-step recovery programs, and the 12 steps of recovery are a very integral part of my life. And in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there is a passage of lack of power is our dilemma. And the whole essence of what the big book, namely the first 164 pages that Bill Wilson says, is how I am, the purpose of the book is to find a power greater than myself. Now, it's not a, it's an everyday thing because I am powerless. I am powerless of everything that is outside of me and even inside of me such as my thoughts. I can't, one of the biggest realizations that I had several years ago is I can't control my first thoughts. But the gift of recovery and why meditation, as we say in the 11th step, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, 
gives me is, is to get clarity, is to be conscious of, mindful of, oh, these are, I, I am obsessing about that, and to take, you know, take my, you know, and to get re- re-centered in my breath. So Jewishly, we would say, the rabbis would say, I am completely powerless over the fact that I'm frail that I have weaknesses, that I have temptations, that I have habits, that I have obsessions, that I have thoughts that do not stop and that keep going whether I want that to or not, right? So what do I, ha- what can I do, right? I acknowledge that I am grateful that I am here having thoughts that I'm obsessing about what to do with. I am accepting of the fact that I'm a human being and I am created flawed, but wow, that sunset, was pretty amazing and I have eyes and a brain and a heart to receive that sunrise and that sunset. I, I can receive the stars and the moon in its fullness, wow. Then I can pray and meditate or do acts of gemilut chasadim, of loving kindness to connect to the power, capital P that I also have within me because I am created in the image of the divine. I am powerless, but I have a relationship to power, capital P. I have a relationship. I am actually a spark off the flame of the most powerful, the Holy One, blessed be God. That is a very Jewish understanding, right, of that, yes, we are, we are both of these and we must keep them always in conversation with each other. And that's how we live a life, both grateful for who we are and corrective of the ways that we get in our own way and live less into the image, right, of, of the Holy One. Millie? So... Bert was the one that originally brought it up, but you talk about powerless and powerful, and I'm going back to what we did with Gavora and Chesed again, and it just literally may be semantics, but for me, sometimes it takes so much more power or will to be in acceptance. That's where the power is. It's, I'm not actually powerless there. That's no, you are, you, are, you are acknowledging that you are powerless, and there is your power. Yes. <laughs> Preach it. Yes. But I think that's that that is that is the that is the relationship that is counterintuitive. But that's why they are across from each other. It's not because they are opposed to one another. It's because they inform one another fundamentally. That right, purple has to have blue and red. It has to. They both have to be there for purple to exist. Right? So, so, yes. So they're across from each other, but that's not because they're in opposition. It's because they are in direct relationship that often we think we are in power when we're in Netzach. Right? But actually, counterintuitively, at least in our culture, it is often when we truly live in Dehod, that that's where we find true grounding, 
true because it takes courage. We prove to ourselves that we have the courage to accept and we prove to ourselves that we are deeply powerful. Which informs how we then carry out. Which informs how we then carry out. Which informs how we endure, what the strategy is going forward, and it's going to inform Yesod. Next time, next time, next time. Right? So you have to hold on because next, because yeah, all this is going somewhere. This relationship is going somewhere. It's going to Yesod. The phallus. Just saying. Stay tuned. You got to come back. You got to come back. Okay? That, I, I gave you my best stuff. Phallus. That's what I got for you. If you're not coming back next time after that, I don't know what else I could possibly say or do. This was the best one. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you, Judith. Whew. Pulled it out. All right, go to your art green packet, back to page 53. Now that we've talked through it a little bit, go to that second paragraph on 53, yes? The netzach within us needs and calls forth a new opposing force called hod. Hod means beauty, but some connect it also to hodaya, which means both gratitude and confession or admission, right? I admit to the way it is. Netzach seeks to remake the world, to render everything perfect. It is a great force for goodness, that which inspires us to go forth and right the world's wrongs, (laughs) to reform the social order, to fulfill the dream of perfection. Hode is the admission that we cannot do it all. Renee Rodman. The acknowledgement that we have to accept ourselves as we are and be grateful for life as it has been given to us. Beauty lies in that which is if only we open our eye to behold it. Thank you. Inner eye to behold it. Netzach strives for transformation. It is the impatient force within us that believes we can accomplish anything, that reality should be subject to our wise reshaping power. Hod is the other side of wisdom, the self that bows before the mystery of what is as it is. As you would say, and you would add, Jim, now. The self who submits to reality and rejoices in doing so. Not to the circumstances, to reality. Yes? My high holiday speech of last year. My sermon, yes, on Yom Kippur. I don't have to like that my mother and I were estranged. I don't have to like that. And I don't forgive her. She's dead now, she died in October. I don't forgive her. I didn't forgive her while she was alive. I forgive reality. Yes? That is a very different statement. I forgive reality for not being what I want it to be. Maybe. Let's see. Let's see um, where we want to go. So as I'm listening to you read this, I'm wondering how does one not become like I don't know what the word is right now, but just kind of like, well, this is how things are, so like, what's the point? Yeah, like, just like, mm, you know, like, how do you, so, like, you have, like, yes, you have the receiving and the acceptance and the gratitude, but I feel like also, like, the realization that things are just how they are, 
So it can like it can kind of turn into like a dark. Well, yeah. So as soon as one starts to feel like, huh, okay, okay, you're out of whack. Somebody who loves you needs to say, "Yo, Kayla, what about your goals? What about a graduate degree? What about a new job? Hello, like go on that interview. Hello, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it lovely? Yeah, surfing is lovely. So is teaching at Browerman, isn't it? Isn't that going to be lovely? Yeah, because you, you have to have enough Netzach going on because if there's only Hod going on, you're surfing the rest of your life, which is a great thing for some people. But, but Kayla Morris needed to be teaching at Browerman, right? So that, that's how. It, people who love us tell us, get up, get up, it's time. You can hang out how it is all you want to, but you, you need to be pursuing what I've heard you say is your Netzach, Right? Your sense of a goal, your sense of the future, your sense of wanting to achieve something. I've heard you say it enough that I know this is core to who you are. So, Hode's lovely, and I've given you three weeks of that. <laughs> Time to move into Netzach. And sometimes it's part of us that says that, right? That starts to go, well, really? Really? This has been, yeah, nice, and it's like, but really? And there's a niggling something that eventually, if it's fed, by being around the right people and in the right circumstances and reading the right teachers and whatever, it gets fed enough to go, okay, you know what, I'm not comfortable here anymore. Um, and then I'm, I'm experiencing this with someone right now who I'm saying to them, good. She just came in to see me. She's like 25, 26 years old. I've known her since she was young. Um, and it's not you, so okay. Oh, you know who it is, okay. So anyway, she, she came to talk to me and, like, and I said to her, good. I'm glad you're on my couch because the fact that you're on my couch in my office says you're no longer happy hanging out and accepting how it is and what is. You're getting just enough uncomfortable with it that you're starting to lean into. I had to just fan some Netzach flames. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? I go back. uh, I think it was Jim who was talking about 12-step and I forget the text of it, the, the prayer. The serenity about, prayer. The serenity prayer, knowing the things that I, I can, can change, change accepting the things, the things I, can't, I can't, and the wisdom, wisdom to, know the to know the difference. Right? That's exactly what's up here. What, it, what can I change? And then let me lean into the courage it's going to take to do that. And let me accept with grace and what I can't change. And I have to figure out constant. I have to use this technology constantly to figure out which is which. And it's not always clear. (laughs) Right? And it changes all the flipping time, which doesn't help. (laughs) Right? Like it, and in periods of our lives, it changes what our understanding of what the priorities I was certain about, right? All of a sudden, we're in a new decade of our lives or a new period of our lives, and we're like, what? Yeah. You mean that was, that was not the most important thing? Wait, what? And, and then the crisis, the whole system goes into crisis, right? And then it's like, seek out wisdom, seek out calm, seek out practice, seek out community, seek out whatever to help restore a new perspective on this, a new dynamic between these things that then we can go, oh, okay. So I was wrong before, or it was right for me then. It doesn't matter. I have a new understanding of what's going on. It feels as if, um, it doesn't feel as if there, it, 
Yet you go directly to, to Nessa. It almost feels like you need to be grounded to decide where it is you want to put your energy. And it feels like grounding occurs over at home. I think it kind of depends, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of depends. Yeah, it could go either way, but it feels as if there are a certain... That's another, it's another dynamic that would work. But Kay, Kayla was just saying, sometimes hope can feel kind of fluffy and kind of cotton candy. Right. There's nothing really... Th- sometimes my grounding is in Netzach, mm-hmm. that Mandela could sleep on the floor because he had a, a long-term vision that grounded him through the whatever it is of today. It, it really, they're, they're dynamic. Grounding can happen in either place. It's about where are we ungrounded? Am I living too much into, I just love life and I do, do you know those people? And I'm just like, they make me crazy. They make, particularly in the morning. <laughs> I it's a beautiful day. I'm married to one of them, by the way. It's a beautiful day. I'm like, you know, I got shit to do. <laughs> really? It's like what, you know, it, it's about where, Sometimes it's, it's about being pulled out of our grounding because we're too planted. And sometimes it's just about where, where are we finding? Because when I hear you say ground... Okay, I'm going to give you a little tip. <laughs> if I don't kill myself in the process. Next session is Yesod. What is the translation of Yesod? Foundation. Grounding. Right? So... so the tradition supports exactly, right? Supports that, that that's the word that comes next, right? For them, it's, or how it gets translated, but it's essentially grounding. These two things emanate into something that we would call groundedness. Where does it emerge from? Hod and Netzach, the relationship between Hod and Netzach. Both. When you talk about the emanating of the divine into the world, these come first, then comes Yesod. There is a feedback loop, however, from the created world back. It's like the seed falling and then the tree grows. Yes. The seed falls down, the tree grows up. So one happens first, but but first doesn't mean better. First means first. The, the ultimate goal is the tree growing up out of the ground, reaching back towards the light. The chicken and the egg. complicating everything, Melly. Yes, chicken and egg. Thank you. Yes. I, I feel like hod. If you're if you're stuck in netzot, that hod is almost a place where you can go for relief and healing. And what comes to mind for me. Is, and we've talked about this before, you know, years ago I went through cancer treatment and when I'm sitting with my oncologist talking about starting chemo, I'm in Netzach going, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. And she's going, you can't go into this kicking and screaming. You have to embrace your chemo, to which I said some expletive. <laughs> Took a breath and went home and thought about it and just said, I'm you know, I'm just going to accept this. This is the way it is and relax. And she said, you have to relax. You have to, when you're tired, you have to let go and you'll do much better letting go. Everybody that goes in kicking and screaming has a hard time. And, and I feel like that was more about healing and that you can use the body as sort of a 
metaphor. A metaphor for that. that and it's actual. It's not just metaphor. It's yeah. Sometimes you have to step aside, even if you're you're in the middle of something crazy. Sometimes you have to go and take a break and let others step in to do the work. So what a rabbi might say to a Renee who just made that comment is this is a technology for Renee to understand that that works in terms of her mental and achievement-oriented work as well. Right? Right? Because once we put it up here, you see the wisdom and truth of this in your cancer experience. The reason we put it up here, the reason we put words on it, the reason there's a system is so that Renee can go, oh, that probably applies to LAUSD (laughs) as well, right? And I'm not being flip. I'm being serious. That's why we do this. It's not because this is the best way. It's not because this is the only way. It's not because it's truest. It's because it's our technology that allows us to go from, by putting it up here, you go, aha, I experienced that. I saw that happen. And the truth and beauty of that, talking about it going the other way, the truth and beauty of that, in my cancer experience, I wonder where else that might be true. So that the system can correct. So that we can apply the technology to where we didn't see it. We don't put it up here, we don't see the relationships right? Or necessarily. Like the whole idea is to, to carry over from the places we do understand it and get it from those t moments, right, of getting it um, to, oh, right, so that same dynamic may be true in other places in my life. That's exactly the point of this. Sheldon, are you trying to say something up there? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I used to be a uh, marathon runner. Now, looking at me, yeah, I'm sure you won't believe that. <laughs> uh, but that's all endurance, victory, fortitude, guts. But after eight to ten miles, you get a runner's high. You get a second win, whatever you call it, and you can see the majesty of everything. It's it's uh, godlike, and um, it strengthens your endurance. So hold is like a strengthener of Nessa. Right. In that case. In a positive feedback loop, they positively influence each other. I can give myself over to the experience, past the pain I'm feeling in my knees and feet. I can give myself over to the euphoria I feel in another part of me, which then strengthens my knees and feet. Right. So in a positive feedback loop, both get fed by the balance of the other. But... Yes, Lisa Goldstein talks about, Rabbi Lisa Goldstein talks about being an endurance runner. But again, I, I think it, at the end, these are all divine energy flows, and you need to be open to feeling it. If you can't feel it, you're just going to go through the red light. It's, none of this means anything. So this is why we keep using the term mindfulness, like on the poster for this class. It says, mindful Jewish living. Because being open is about being mindful. They're happening all the time, these things, whether we want them to or not. This is what's going on all the time. This is just a reflection of truth, people. This is what's happening. 
And as our spiritual teachers say, and you're completely unprepared, right? This is reality and you're completely unprepared. So this is what's happening. Mindfulness is about if I pay attention to what I'm experiencing, to what I'm feeling, to what I'm thinking, to what I'm planning, to what, what, if I can pay attention to all of these aspects and give myself some language to talk about it and, and talk about it with other people, then, and, and again, I think it's really important, across generations, like we have generations of rabbis writing about this, generations of texts using this language. If we, and as our you know, amazing analyst would say, when you have the language to break it down, you can look at it in a way that helps you then make adjustments that bring us into more fullness and a more purposeful, growthful experience of this lifetime rather than just like paddling you know, along, and, right? So, and, and that's the goal, that's why you're here. That's why we're here as an institution, I hope, right? Is because we believe there's a technology called Judaism that can help us as the Jewish people access ways to be mindful about our human experience so that we can bring our higher selves to bear on what that looks like. Because we can't control what the heck is going on, but we can choose to lean into ways to be around what's going on that is just more mature, more responsible, more ethical. God, if we had some more ethics going on right now, I don't know about y'all, I am so fed up with how low the ethical bar is right now about what's okay and excused right now. Where are the grown-ups? Right? Like, this is about being a spiritual grown-up and saying, if I'm in ig- ignorance of these things going on within me and within reality, I am abdicating my responsibility. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right? They tell us. Well, ignorance of what's going on and an and, and a unwillingness to talk about it and explore it and lean into it is abdicating our responsibility to be grown-up, moral, ethical citizens of this world. And we see what happens when that's rampant, right? Well, Sorry. No. End, it's, I'm going to come down from that for a second. It's <laughs> calming down. Uh, it's all about being more fully present in your life. Yeah. And by being open, you can hear Shema. Leave it to Mark to take something I used to talk about for seven minutes and give it four words. <laughs> being more mindful in your life. Okay. Yes, that's what it's about. Who, who else wants to say something? Bert. I was just going to say one of the, this is a plug. This is a plug? This is a plug. Okay. One of the technologies for raising consciousness of this is traditional Jewish prayer, which speaks a language that is difficult for us to understand, but speaks of these things, maybe not exactly in those words. The problem for me isn't just to know, what, what I, you know where these poles are, but how do I deal with it? How do I raise my consciousness on a day-by-day basis? 
And the answer to that, with all due respect for mindfulness, is not only inside of myself. Inside myself is one piece of it that mindfulness can, can teach me, but part of it is outside of myself. So I, is, I'm going to argue with you that for some of us, that is in here. Right. The, the power that I call the Kaddish Baruch Hu, I access that best by turning within and accessing what the rabbis call the root, mm-hmm. the connection, right, of my innermost point to the, the root that is, right, beyond me, I, I have to turn inward to, to do that. It's in here. I'm not, I'm not talking against turning inward, turning inward. I'm saying that as important as that is, there is a danger of only turning inward and not using the inwardness to connect with something outside of oneself and thinking that all there is is what's inside and what is what what are you saying is outside of oneself for example are you talking about god yeah Yeah. it's not just inside of me that that that's my only point yeah i'm 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 just i'm just i'm just not sure i'm comfortable with inside outside in that sense outside of my i'm not i'm not sure it doesn't matter though if it works for you, it works for you. Because I'm just going to say, like, prayer is that I'm praying to something outside of myself. Okay, that doesn't, I, I know, I'm just saying inside, outside makes me, I, I'm not sure I'm so comfortable with that language, right? That meditation for me, mindfulness practice, is prayer for me, right? Going within allows me to connect, and I'm not going to say with something outside. I'm going to say it allows me to connect with what, runs through me. I mean, I, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I get stuck, I think, a little bit in beingness. Like, that which is outside of me is, I'm praying to or for, I don't know. I don't know. It's bugging me these days. Yeah. Then there really is no yes. inside or outside. Yes. So I think yes. that's yes and yes. It's a right. semantic thing. Yes. The energy is all connected because that's really all yes. we are. Correct. We just appear in physical. Yes. Form. So when I access There's that no energy, it's by definition not apart from it's anything outside energy. of me. It's because I am the universe. The universe is me. We are, we are not separate. I guess, that's, I guess that's where I get a little stuck. Is the whole point for me is about reminding myself, not reminding myself, experiencing the fact that there is no inside and outside. It's all, the, it's all energy. It's all, this, it's all the same, capital S. It is, I'm just one aspect of the universe. So, you know, it's just... And I think maybe what you're... Like for me, it's when we think of the outside and the inside, which separates yes. us, then we're separating us on all of these messages, the conscious messages we got, like Jews, whites, blacks, gays, straight, blah, 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 blah. And that's where I was saying it comes back down to the message. It doesn't matter if the message is coming through Judaism. The Judaism is an avenue, which I think is what you're saying, Bert, right? If you read all these old texts, it's the same. It's... It's the message, but it's all... Connecting inside to outside. Yeah. Yeah. 
that are getting it, that they're not separate from each other. Okay, so let's go to, let's, yes, Renee. Just, just to touch on that inside, outside, because what, what I'm trying to figure out for this technology is all of this can be applied to oneself and one's immediate family and one's world, your immediate world, versus what does it say about a, a requirement or, or how it's integrated as part of the technology to have some responsibility to the outer world and to others outside of your immediate experience. In, in other words, that you have to care about the greater good. You have to care about the greater world. Like that's, so, that's where I'm getting kind of confused. So uh, if all of this is, the rabbis would say, if all of this is in balance, if, or, or we're working as best we can to you know, correct for the inevitable tippings into this one or that one or this thing or that thing that's going on up here, when, that, when we're doing that, by definition, we will be doing acts of loving kindness for each other. We will, by definition, want to give to people who don't have access to this because they don't have enough to eat. We will, by definition, be studying Torah and therefore, right, being aware of other challenges. So they believe, by definition, just because this is not the only thing going on in Judaism. They didn't just study this, that you got to know the Big Ten, Right, you get, in other words, you, you have to live the, you have to perform the mitzvot in Torah. This is the work that enables us to be fully functional and responsible so that we are fulfilling the commandments. Does that make sense? It doesn't begin and end here in any sense of the word, which is why, and I know people had a strong reaction and when I thought about it later, I overreacted probably when I got crazy about Madonna doing Kabbalah. <laughs> but that's what I meant. That's what I meant. It was nev- this was never supposed to be the point. The point is to use this technology and this, this, you know, my Lexus, they keep telling me, you know, our sensors tell us that your Lexus needs to come in for an adjustment of the blah, blah, blah. This is the sensors. When we have this up on the control panel and we can really pay attention to what's going on, then my Lexus functions well enough to drive me to the hospital to visit my mother-in-law. Does that make sense? The point is not that the system is functioning healthfully. The point is to get the system functioning, functioning optimally now, right now, so that I can do the mitzvah of observing Shabbat. But if I'm so hanging out in Netzach that I'm going to finish those acknowledgments to those Paul Revere donors and I don't do Shabbat, Shabbat's a commandment. The system needs to be running well enough that you observe Shabbat. does that, does that make sense? Like, it was never supposed to be taken out of context. And context means the commandments. Now, we can decide as progressive Jews what that looks like. I'm not saying it means don't eat shrimp. I'm not suggesting that. But I'm saying this was never meant to be taken out of the whole framework of what it means to live as a Jew. And primary to living as a Jew is what you do. Does that make sense? What you do. Not how you feel about it, not how you think, not any, right? It's what you do. 
Were you fair in business? Did you say the hard thing when it wasn't going to be popular? Right, right, so it's all of this is to impact and influence what we do. And that means you have to move from this to the text about what we're supposed to do. And the conversation that we have every week in Torah study about what if this is still binding people? And what do we say that was 2,000 years ago? Not not so binding, or the idea behind it is binding, but we might do it a different way right now if we took it seriously, but let's take it seriously, right? Those are the conversations that all of this is supposed to inform, and then we carry it out. So I'm, I just really, I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity to clarify, because I was not trashing Madonna or trashing people who want to respectfully access the wisdom of our tradition. That was not my point. My point was we can get so caught up in this being the goal that, that there's nothing outside of us then, that, to, to use Bert's language. There's, then it's all about what's up with us and not like, you know, so where, where's our caring for the world? Where, what about the Yazidi? Hello? Right? It's another email that we, Really? Well, if we're living into this the way we're supposed to, we can't ignore that email. Yeah? All right, I want to bring us to a close. I wish my technology with my Mac was as clear as the technology <laughs> as I'm seeing. Well, let me just say, I wish I could help you with the technology of the Mac. I could help you with this one, not so much with that one, because I, I count on Justin. Right? Justin is the rabbi of IT. He is the Rav. He is the master of, of learning uh, as far as that stuff goes. Drop down on 53 to that next bottom paragraph. The biblical figures represented by Netzach and Hod are Moses and Aaron. In other words, the rabbis give personification to all of this. We may see it as perfection that takes on the challenge of leadership. The Moses within us stares down Pharaoh, the embodiment of evil and oppression. That Moses leads our forces out of Egypt, parting the sea with the staff of confidence placed in his hands, but our inner troops get weary and start to lose their way. Confident that we can pull it all together, that we can make it all the way to the promised land we lead on. In the struggle for victory and transformation, however, we lose some of our patience. Exasperated with our own inability to do it all, we follow Moses in arguing both with his God and his people. Here, we need the wisdom of Aaron the priest. Bowing deeply before the altar, he knows how to accept reality as it is. Even when tragedy befalls him, Aaron lost two sons to an excess of religious enthusiasm. He stands silent in acceptance, knowing he will continue in the life of worship. Perhaps life cannot be changed. Aaron accepts it and finds it beautiful as it is. He even accepts and understands the needs of those who demand a golden calf. Devotion, gratitude, acceptance. These are the virtues of our inner high priest. I was speaking with a teacher today 
a great teacher today at uh, the Hartman Seminar. And he's such a brilliant man and such a brilliant politician and such a brilliant worker of so many things. And he was saying that there's the Moses, you know, with the vision of we're going to get there, the promised land. And then, then, then he goes, and then there's Aaron. And if you look at the Torah text, the Torah text has the people say to Aaron, we want a golden calf. And Aaron makes it. And so our teacher today was saying, Aaron participates, essentially, he's there, he's participating and facilitating a Vodazara, idol worship, one of the three things you're supposed to die before you do. And Aaron's right there. The rabbis have lots of, as we've studied it together, a lot of us, the rabbis have lots of ways of excusing it and making allowances and blah, 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 and there's all these midrashim about they were gonna stone him to death and, okay, whatever. This shot, the actual text, Aaron is there. He understands this is where the Jewish people are right now. They need a golden calf. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. And it has to be that balance between the Moses who says, you can't do that, people. You have to only have an abstract God who's an idea and an ideal and a la la la. And it, we're gonna work for that and slip through the desert for however long it takes and we're gonna get there. And, you ha- and then you have Aaron who's like, but they're, they need something to see. They need something to look at. They need something familiar. They need something they know. They need proof. They need evidence. They need their blankie. Right? And like my daughter still sleeps with her three blankies. And she makes sure they're out of the picture when she does a selfie for Instagram on her bed. She makes sure they're out of the picture. (laughs) But I love that. That my fierce, proud, amazing 15 and a half year old warrior sleeps with her blankies. Because that's who we are, right? And, and I think Art Green is right to call up the personifications, especially in this case. Sometimes they don't move me so much. But in this case, I think it's true. The Moses and the Aaron. We have to have, right, both of those working together or the people aren't gonna make it. And so our, our goal is to always ask ourselves, okay, so where, where are we right now? What's called for right now? And to do that with a great deal of love and self-compassion and patience and where and how we need to lift it up for someone else. To do that with great love and gentleness and compassion so that we can partner each other into the business of, as my pastor friend in Duluth would say, the exhausting work of building the kingdom. (laughs) Building the kingdom is exhausting, but we're gonna do it together. Have a good night.